Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, welcome to the Blue Note podcast, episode number six. It is the. Uh... It is the, dare I say, Eric Johnson episode? No, no, come on, come on. We can't do that. <laughs> it's the Jamie Rivers episode. Gotta right. be Jamie Rivers. All right. Yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, there's been a few guys in recent years wearing number six that have that have done something. I mean, Marco yeah. Scandella, you know. Joel first, Edmondson. Joel Edmondson Eddie? is another another one that yeah. I was going to bring up. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a good number. Good number six. Shout out to uh, Jamie Rivers for sure. Absolutely. Uh, but before we get into anything for this episode, the Blue Note podcast is uh, brought to you by the Believe Network. And uh, you can follow us on there. You can follow our Twitter at TBN Pod. You can uh, hit that subscribe button on all the podcast platforms. Um, give us a rating. I guess any sort of rating is fine, but preferably a five-star rating. Um, but, you know, honest feelings, sometimes you need that, and that would be the case here. Uh, but, you know, do what you will with that. And then get involved with the conversation with us, like I said, on Twitter, at TBN Pod over there, tweeting during the games, my period recap videos as well. Uh, we're going to start with the Nazem Kadri thing because I think it's probably been the biggest topic of this series. Um, oh, yeah. And, and I think it's important to address some of the things that have happened. So I'll, I'll uh, send it over to you for that. And then I'll make my comments as well. Yeah. You know, and I know that this is a little bit late, um, but this is the time that we're recording it. So this is the biggest chance that we can be able to get to actually express our thoughts, our opinions here. And it's a couple of days removed. So it's actually given me, I know a little bit of time to kind of reflect here on it. Um, when I first saw about the racist comments here that were on Twitter towards Kadri. Um, I, it was disgusting, honestly. Um, you know, and again, I, I know that we're late to the party here, but this is just something that needs to be said because, um, some may know this and some may not, but apps for Nazim Kadri received direct messages on his Twitter account that were, um, let's just call it as it is embarrassing, completely uncalled for and inhumane. You know, they were there, there's absolutely no place in hockey for something like this. There's there's no place in society for something like this. And there's absolutely no place in the world for some of the comments that were made towards Nazim Kadri. And I absolutely give all the credit in the world to his wife for screenshotting that and making this public because that's not something that you need to be able to hide from. And that's something that people need to be made aware of that's going on. So to also see Av's community give him so much credit, back him and show all the love and support. Um, I, I just, you know, Blues fans, I know, were just appalled at some of the comments here that were made. And the number of Blues fans that I showed, that I saw showing support here towards Nazim Kadri was uplifting. He is a an enemy here right now, but he is a he's a hockey player and a human being that deserves all the respect in the world. Dirty player or not, what happens on the ice stays on the ice and that's fine. It's a game. So that's, that's my piece here about it. And I hope that everybody can just do a better job, a better human, just treating people 
the way that you would want them to be treated. It's that golden rule, something so simple, just treat people right. Yeah. I mean, well said, I agree hundred percent um, on all that and, and give, give Kadri credit for the things that he's, he's said about it. Um, you know, he, he pointed out that it doesn't reflect our entire fan base. Um, right. Bednar, Bednar said the right things about the whole thing too. So props to those guys for that. Uh, but I mean, going back to the entire idea that the hockey culture, so to speak, is something that is different from other sports and still has a ways to go when it comes to things like this. Um, I think that's probably fair to say. Uh, but I also think that there are situations like this in probably every sport. I feel like fans as a whole in all sports need to do better because mm-hmm. how many times do we see something that happens in the game and then it carries over to social media to the point where, you know, players are receiving messages or threats of, of any kind uh, because of a game like like it's a it's a game and their family yeah their yeah. family too yeah and it's just it's disgusting and, and it, it should not happen um, I don't think they're honestly just the way that it is there will probably never be a time where it doesn't happen which is which is terrible and unfortunate but um, yeah I think this is a wake-up call for a lot of people I think just like the other thing is like how big of a loser do you have to be to do something like this? Like, I can't even imagine like the immaturity, the, the stupidity mm-hmm. to do this, especially when everything is public now, like these mm-hmm. people had to know that these were going to be put out. So yeah. uh, just embarrassing. And, and there's no doubt about it. Um, but yeah. I guess shifting over to the play itself and the reason why blues fans are so mad at him. I know we had the whole Justin Falk thing last year. And like you said, what happens in the ice stays in the ice. And there's no doubt that, you know, Kadri's record kind of speaks for itself and things like this. But at the end of the day, I didn't see the, the Bennington play as dirty. Like, I didn't think that was a dirty play. So I, I think the big reason why people – there's two reasons why people believe this is a dirty play. Number one is Bennington got hurt, and it was a right. significant injury. Number two is Kadri's history. It's that simple. Like, if that's Tom Wilson, we think the same thing. If that's Brad Marchand, we think the same thing. If that's, like – Jared Spurgeon to throw it back to the last series. We probably don't think that. So, um, and I don't think that that part alone has anything to do with race. Like, I don't think that people think, you know, I don't think anybody's racist in believing that that was a dirty play. I just think that they're looking at the reputation of what, I mean, he's been suspended a total of 27 games and, um, and he, and Bennington got hurt, but like that's separated. Like the, the racism thing with Kadri is the threats that are made and the stupid things that people are somehow stupid enough to say. I don't think anybody thinks that that's a dirty play because they're racist. Like I saw some people going, going that far. I don't think that's right, but I just didn't think that was a dirty play. And I know blues fans are probably going to hate me for saying that, but I didn't see it as a dirty play. No. And I don't, and I don't think it was. And I am all in support of, fans of any kind stepping up for their players and defending their players and wanting their guys, you know, setting up best wishes. And if you want to build a voice that you think it was a dirty play, that's fine. But there's no place of any kind for any sort of slurs or anything else here of that nature. You know, it it was a lot easier in the seventies, eighties, even in the nineties, you know, like when there was no social media and you had to be down there at the game, at the practices in order to make those kinds of remarks but then the, the players left and the players left and that was it. But now with all the social media, it's, it's great because the fans can 
interact with the players at times and they can see what's going on behind the scenes, but it's also a double-edged sword where if they have their DMs open, they're probably getting a ton of hate mail. And so that's where we as fans of any kind of sport in general just need to be better. You know, again, send, send your guy all kinds of best wishes. You know, hey, I'm really supporting here for you, hoping and pull for the best. Stay out of the other guys' mentions. There's no place for it. Yep, I agree. And also, quick message for Toronto Maple Leaf fans. Shut the hell up. Like, I'm so sick of seeing these Maple Leaf fans on Twitter, like, crying about the Blues. It's like, the Blues are so easy to root against. Such losers. Shut up. Your team loses in the first round every single year, yet you're still commenting about other series because whatever reason. Like, it's so annoying that these Leaf fans are talking, so they should just shut up. So that's a message for Leaf fans. I'm sure there's a lot of great Leaf fans out there. I know there is, but just the ones that are on Twitch, shut up. I mean, it's so annoying. It it annoys the hell out of me, especially when a team like that, like you have the biggest market, you spend a ton of money, you have a ton of talent on your team, and yet you can't get out of the first round. So I don't really want to hear from them. Like if it's Pittsburgh, that's fine. They won a couple cups, respectable, respectable deal there. That's fine. Even the Blackhawks fans, you want to comment. You've seen your team win. Your team's been good. They had a dynasty. So uh, Leaf fans can shut the hell up, though, because I'll just comment 1967 every single time back to them. And it may seem stupid because four years ago, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Um, but. I mean, there was more expectations for the Leafs to win a cup than the Blues when they won it. So yeah. whatever. Uh, Leaf fans, shut up. All right, moving forward, moving along. Let's reflect a little bit. Uh, we talked about games one and two in the last episode of the podcast. So now we talk about games three, four, and five, um, which kind of had a similar feeling to them. Right. Um, but the the Avs won games three and four. It looked like they were certainly going to win game five. I kind of I was kind of preparing in some ways for this episode to be the end of the end of the season for this team. That's your prediction, actually. Yeah. Because you you initially said abs and five. I didn't I I I kind of thought abs and five in this way too. Like the series was a lot closer than last season, but there's still a gap between the teams. I did not think that we'd have the whole Bennington thing happen and then the blues be, you know, but I mean, I guess I the blues have played about how I expected, except for a couple spots where it's like, Jesus, this looks just like last season. But that's just what happens mm-hmm. when you play the abs. They didn't lay over and die like the loser Nashville Predators, who will never win anything, by the way. Uh, but anyway, let's reflect on games three, four, and five. Yeah. So, like you said, you know, they're heading back um, to St. Louis now, down three to two here in the series. Complete must win next two games and we'll be able to advance to the Western Conference Finals. Just simple math. They have to be able to win the next two. Tyler Bozak here scored the overtime goal here. Seeming, I mean, it was a harmless shot. But that shot alone just proves that you do not need to be an all-star scoring the highlight reel goals. Honestly, shout out to Nathan McKinnon because that goal that he scored going coast to coast, holy crap, that was an amazing goal. Just all the shot, like respect 100% here for that goal. But this overtime goal proves that it is an all-out team effort. And history proves that guys like, you know, let's go back to 2017, Magnus Payarvi against the Minnesota Wild game five scores in overtime. Carl Gunnison, Stanley Cup playoffs game two, and now Bozak. All these guys just prove that it's a team effort and the Blues will continue to need a full team effort to keep moving here in this series. So the the McKinnon goal, the hat trick goal, was just absurd. Oh, yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody in the league other than probably him – I guess Matthews and McDavid can go coast to coast like that and score. McDavid, um, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, here's the thing with that, though. The evolving hockey Twitter account, which is an analytics thing, um, yeah. I think they do a good job, but low blow on Nick Letty on that play. Like, nobody's stopping that play. What defenseman is stopping that play? They were, like, quote-tweeting their tweet about how the analytics for Letty with Detroit were so bad, and at the time of the trade, they said probably shouldn't trade for Nick Letty. They yeah. tweeted that tweet after the goal last night and said, interesting, and I replied, like, what defenseman is stopping that? And also – analytics aside like i'm pro analytics in a lot of ways but there's some mm-hmm. other things where it just gets absurd like yeah the whole the whole idea i don't know who who, who the analytic guy but i know that uh, our friend steven at the hockeywriters.com who also does a blues podcast and writes for the blues commented like how is this real when we have analytics people saying oh no the blues now have to start a better goaltender over bennington because bennington started they have to start who so who's better okay he was better in the regular season but at what point do we look at the the, the here and now, like yeah. Uso struggled against Minnesota. They bring Bennington and Bennington has been fantastic, way better than he ever was the entire regular season. So it's just so like easy and, and stupid to just say, oh, they have to start the better goaltender. Shame. Like there's that just no, makes no there's sense. There's no metric for Mojo. Yeah. And there's, that's there's no the, metric for confidence. There's no metric for anything like that. And that's where it can't help it. That's where the analytics thing annoys me a little bit. And some of that stuff, like Letty's been solid. If you watch the blues, Letty does a lot of things that they need him to do. He had three assists last night, would have been four, but they took one away. And if you, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty on the Bozak goal, the way he kept the puck in was a big time play with his, Mm -hmm. with his right skate or right shin. He keeps the puck in Bozak. And and here's the thing with it, that with Colorado, that's got to worry them is like, and Edmonton, too, their goaltending is going to hold them back. Like, Kemper was not good at all last night. Um, and same thing with Mike Smith. Mike Smith gives up probably the worst goal ever in, oh. in game five of that series or game four of that series. So that was bad. But, like, that's the thing that separates Tampa from everybody in this playoffs. And that's why I would probably have the most confidence in Tampa top to bottom if point is back because of, like, Vasilevsky, ridiculous. Yeah. Like he's so much better in net than everybody that's left. Like I, I would Kemper Smith. You want to throw other guys in like Koskinen, who's the backup in Edmonton, or Markstrom, who struggled. Um, th- I think. By the way, before we get into uh, thoughts on on the last three games of the Blues, just throw it over to the other parts of the NHL real quick. The first goal that Markstrom gave up in Game Four against Edmonton was horrendous. When he plays the puck pretty much right to Nugent Hopkins, empty mm-hmm. net. I think those two goals that Smith gave up and that Markstrom gave up is probably the two worst goals ever given up by both goaltenders in a single game. Yeah. So I just want to throw that out there. I didn't think about that until just now, but that's got to be the two worst goals ever given up in the same game by each goaltender. But uh, anyway, that was pretty bad. Um, and the Blues kind of had a similar situation where Huso vacates the net early in game four and uh, Landeskog pretty much has an empty netter that they mm-hmm. actually counted as a regular, like a, they counted that as a, uh, as an even strength, strength goal. Yeah. yeah. That's a tough one for Huso for sure. I'm mm. not sure. I'm not sure who that's on. Is that on the bench with communication or is that on Huso? Probably a little bit of both, but um, all right. So thoughts in the last three games, the blues have not been carrying the play at all for the most part. Um, there's been spurts of it. The first half of game five was, was all abs. Um, they're not getting enough from Huso in certain spots. I think he made some big time saves late in that game last night. 
but there's also been some goals in each game that he's been in where you're like, you got to make that save. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's fair to say. Uh, And the blues just aren't disrupting them in the neutral zone at all. Like they were doing that a lot more in game two and early in game three. And then after that, it was like, wow, uh, they're not doing that. They're just getting skated all over. When McKinnon and McCarr get going, it's very hard to stop them. That's why it's kind of key to stop the guys like Lekkinen or Nachuskin or Burakovsky or those guys. Keep them quiet. You know, McDavid and McCarr or uh, McKinnon and McCarr, all these mucks, you know, the MC, the MAC, it's all the damn same. I keep getting them confused. Um, But anyway, a McDavid-McKinnon series would be great for the sport. I hope it doesn't happen, but it'd be great for the sport, no doubt. Um, so the, I think game three, Bennington going down changed everything. Like, I, I even if Bennington's here, I don't think the Blues win the series. But um, Bennington going down really changed it, especially game three, because the Blues looked very good early in game three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's just a big what if. You know, like you just – you have no idea here what could end up happening. And, and Blues fans can be able to say – well, if Bennington was in or, you know, whatever. But, I mean, how long ago was it that the Blues fans were calling for Bennington to be traded and shipped out of St. Louis and and ride the coattails here of Huso all the way to the next Stanley Cup? And now all of a sudden, you know, everybody's ready to get their pitchforks out and and just drive Huso out of town. So it's it's just – it's not fair here right now. Um, I'm, I'm honestly not – I'm not going to sugarcoat it either. This This team has not been good enough. You know, they're one and two here over the over the three games, outscored 10 to 15. We're only averaging just over three three goals here during that, that time frame, which is fifth best among the remaining playoff teams. And they're allowing five goals allowed on average, which, by the way, is the highest among all of the remaining playoff teams. So if you look at it statistically speaking, the Blues are out uh, that final four picture here on both goal scored and goals for here in that point, you know, getting the, the overtime winner here from Bozak and the third period push from the blues was great. It honestly, it, it really, really was. And I'm super torn about how to be able to react here towards this, because on one hand, I, mean, I just want to be a fair weather fan, jump on this bandwagon and say, yes, let's go, let's go. You know, let's, let's keep riding the mojo. We've, we've got it. But man, where has this been all series long? Where's this third period been all series long? Robert Thomas, Pavel Buchnevich, these guys finally get on the board. Buchnevich here made some great plays during um, game five. But guys like Braden Shen, Ivan Barbashev, Brandon Saad here even, the search party is still out for these guys, and it's just infuriating to be able to watch. You know, Saad has one goal here in this series. Shen's got four assists. He's averaging one shot on goal here per game, at least during three, four, and five here at this point. Um, he's he's looked good here at times, but you know, I just really want him to to score. You know, we, we need the diversified scoring here from it at this point. Barbashev has only one shot on goal during games three, four, and five. One shot. And we talk about the diversified scoring here, and it's just not coming. We need guys to score. You see McKinnon, Landis Cog, you know, all these guys here, Rantanen, they're able to still score or, you know, they're being stopped. They're getting support scoring here from, you know, Logan O'Connor, from Nazim Kadri, from Arteri Lekanen. You know, they're getting goals scored from everywhere. And that's exactly what the Blues here need. And that's what I was truly hoping for because this series should be a lot closer 
on paper, and these games should be one-goal games. It, I mean, the, the Avs should see, seriously, they need to be outscored at this point, not a matter of just dominating the game. The Blues should be able to score three to four goals easily a night here on this team. And I know it's a tall order to be able to fill, but the team's offense has just dried up and crawled away when it has mattered most. And honestly, they're very, very lucky that they managed to get the overtime winner here at this point. So, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't want to be able to sugarcoat it, but it just, in my opinion, it has not been good enough. I think that's fair um, because Robert Thomas was not having a good playoffs um, no. until that game last night where he scores a couple. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like Kyrou's been solid. Um, he's produced. Perron yeah. and O'Reilly have produced, obviously. Um, Bucinich is leading the team here yeah. right now. You yeah. know, he's got seven points here in this series. Yeah, he's been really good. He's turned it up a notch the last couple of games, but he did have some moments where you're like, where was the regular season version of him in this right. moment? Um, and it right. wasn't even a points thing. It was just some of the plays he was making made no sense in terms of what we saw all regular season long, but he's turned right. it up a notch. Um, Tarasenko gets on the board his first of the series, so hopefully he gets going a little bit. Um, and we'll see. We will see um, how the Blues respond in game six in terms of, the, once again, the Avs are going to make a push. The Blues mm-hmm. are going to have to figure out how to how to defend that. And we'll get into that and the keys to, to winning game six later in the episode. But let's move on here to uh, the player of note. So not player of the game per se, but blue note, the whole thing, the player of note, uh, the player that has stood out in the last three games. And I, I think it's it's easy to figure out who it is. Oh, it's got to be steady Nick Letty. Four assists here in those last three games. He's a plus three rating. The guy is averaging just over 21 minutes of ice time. Primary assist here on two of the three goals here last night. And like you said, including that overtime game winner goal, you know, he's a free agent here up at the end of this season, but, you know, and, and I, I do hope that they end up re-signing him here at this point. It just, it's a matter of, you know, term and price tag here per year, but he's he's just been steady letty here at this point. So yeah, he's, he's definitely my player of note for three, four and five. Yep. I went with him as well. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, Perron and Cairo have been good, but they haven't had the same type of impact in production the last three games overall. Uh, Letty, I mean, in terms of possibly re-signing him, the Blues have projected $9.775 million in cap space per cap friendly heading into the summer. A major unrestricted free agent in Perron as well coming up. Um, we've talked about that. We're going to have to figure that out. I think a big part of this is Scandella. Because I don't really think you could have Letty and Scandella on the team next season and make that work from a cap perspective because you're also – you pretty much have your six right there if you re-sign Nick Letty and you mm-hmm. keep Scandella. You have Krug, Scandella, Letty on the left side. You have Falk, Pareko, Bortuzzo on the right side. Well, you I don't, can't forget about Perunovic. I don't want to see – yeah, exactly. I don't want to see Perunovic not in there. Like he didn't right. play last night. They brought Scandella back in. I thought that was an interesting move, but I think it was a good move to switch back to an actual fourth line just to switch things up, get Walker in there. I think that was a fine move. Um, But, yeah, I think Scandella is going to be a big part of this. And I'm also kind of afraid to to re-sign Letty because of what happened with Scandella. I know they're different players, and Letty's a way better skater and better offensive player, but um, just 
we've seen what can happen. What happened with Scandella? He was not good after they extended him. So, well, but you look at you know, let's just taking a quick detour here with Nick Letty. You know, when you look at him in his time in New York here with the Islanders, you know, underneath of like Barry Trotz, he was very, very sound. He was a very sound defensive defenseman. Um, he was not the greatest of defensemen, but he was he was solid. So, you know, I think if the Blues were to create and carve out a role specifically here for him, allow him to be able to play his game, I don't think that there's anything wrong here with that. Now, again, there's that price tag that's associated with it because everybody's going to try and always justify, oh, is this guy worth his price tag? And in the cap world here, I mean, every single cent counts. So, you know, again, I hope that they resign him, but when we've already got a log jammed here, left side pairings, it's it's going to be interesting to see where he fits. What do you think? Like four by three, just to just to give him more term to get the the cap hit down. Something that the Blues really like to do. I don't know how much longer they can keep doing it, but like four by two point seven five, four by three, something like that would be yeah. something that I would like. He's he's not going to get. I don't think he's going to get the dollar amount in St. Louis that what he could command on the open market. That's the biggest thing because right now there's not a lot of defensemen, especially reliable defensemen that are on the open market and his services are one that teams would likely be willing to overpay. So it just depends on if he likes St. Louis, if he likes the system, if he likes, you know, anything else, but Boy, I, I don't I don't know. I think it's gonna honestly be tougher to keep him than what it is than the blues are willing to offer him money here for. So that'll be that's just my quick some you know, quick ten thousand foot overview here on that. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how they approach that. Cause you gotta think about the whole Tarasenko thing and what could happen there. I had some thoughts during the game last night. I was thinking, is this gonna be Tarasenko's last game as a blue? And I hated to have to think that, but I you got to think that at this point you never know. Um, mm-hmm. So those were thoughts that went through my head. I don't know if any other Blues fan experienced that, um, but yeah, it's going to depend on him and it's going to depend on um, Perron as well. If they re-sign him, that's probably the first priority. But Perron's not going anywhere. He loves St. Louis too much. Doug Armstrong loves him too much. He's not going anywhere. Yeah, you would. They'll find a way to so. make it work. You'd assume so that they would do that. Uh, no doubt. All right, let's move on. Let's check in on the uh, Springfield Thunderbirds, the Blues American Hockey League affiliate, and I'll give it over to you for this one. Springfield Thunderbirds, them T-Birds, they're up two to nothing in their series over the Charlotte Checkers. Game one, if you fans here didn't catch it, it was a dominant six to nothing victory despite being outshot 35 to 28. Two goals from Sam Manas, uh, including a penalty shot goal in the second period. Fantastic game to be able to watch. Go on YouTube, check the recap here of it. It is a fun, fun team to, be able to watch here right now. Um, game two was a little bit closer. Uh, it was a come from behind four to three victory. Two goals in the third period. Will Bitten um, tied the game with 305 left to go on a deflected shot from the point. It was a great shot from Clem Coston. Great shot here from him. And um, he may have ended up scoring that goal, but Bitten did a great job of deflecting it. Um, and then to take the win was the real deal James Neal on the power play goal with 
4.4 seconds left in regulation. He scored on a flip on a deflected shot from Brady Lyle to seal the victory. And I'm telling you what, Brady Lyle here, he was the late season trade acquisition for the Bruins. He's looked good. He's looked real good here right now. He's got a can of a shot, but he's not afraid you have to fire from the point, just allowing for a quick tip in front of the goal. It's it's been looking good. Um, he's not an overly sound defensive defenseman from what I've been seeing, but if he can be able to work on something like that, you know, maybe get a little bit of one-on-one time here with some guy like, you know, Justin Falk or, you know, just get any bit of extra training here to try to improve his defensive stature. He's, he's going to be interesting. He's under contract here for one more season before he hits his RFA status. And again, I'm interested to see what's going to be um, going on here for him um, here next year. Um, Sam Annis. He is leading the Calder Cup playoffs with four goals, 13 points in five games. I have no idea what the future is here for this guy. He's 28. He's a UFA here after this season. He's pretty small, though, at 5'8", 157 pounds. I mean, like you can just get somebody get this guy a sandwich, honestly, just just something. But. He was 12th in the AHL in scoring here during the regular season with 20 goals, 64 points, and 75 games. He, to me, is a guy, if he's ever going to make the NHL, it's going to be more so like in a third-line role. It's not going to be in a fourth-line, you know, kind of grinded-out style. That's that's not him. You know, you've seen a guy like Nathan Walker be able to prove a little bit of success here, but I think Sam Ennis is going to need to be able to come up and be able to play in that third line role. Um, Cause he's again, proven he can be able to score. Costin looking good, looking good right now. Driving to the net, getting rewarded here with two goals, four points in five games, second on the team here in shots, 14 shots in those five games. He's an RFA here this year. And I, I don't believe he's going to be going anywhere because you know, I think Doug Armstrong's still going to look at it, look at his postseason performance, despite what he's been doing in the regular season. I've got my own opinions on what's going to happen here with him and what I think the Blues should end up doing with him. But right now, he's looking here real good in the uh, in the Calder Cup playoffs. And then we got to go to the guy in net, Joe Hofer. 1.67 goals against average and a 9.59 save percentage, stopping 116 of 121. The T-Birds are doing great at preventing shots at reaching him, but he is also leading the Calder Cup playoffs in save percentage. He's still under um, he's still likely going to be there for another season here or so, but he is going to be contending for a NHL starting gig or at least a backup or a tandem role here, I think, sooner than later. Um, he's got another year left on his contract here before hitting an RFA status here as well, which I don't think is going to be a huge problem for the blues, but it's just going to be real interesting to see what these Thunderbirds are doing. If you guys got the chance to take a look here at it, I highly, highly, highly recommend taking a look to see what this team is going to do because they are making waves here. And I think heavy favorites will to win the call of the cup. Yeah. I mean, they're fun to watch. Um, there's mm-hmm. a lot of skill on this team. It's nice to see James Neal doing some things for him. Um, he was he was okay when he was with the Blues early in the season, but uh, getting a much better opportunity to play bigger minutes down in the uh, in the A, as they call it, I guess. Um, I think Prunovich would be absolutely filthy um, 
for this team right now, but I'm also okay with him just being here, even if he's not playing. Uh, but Prunovich was literally lighting the uh, the AHL on fire when he was down there. So he was leading the whole league yeah. at one point, and yeah. for a little while, I mean, he had played he had played and stopped playing. He had gotten called up here rather and not played. I think it was like for almost a week, and he was still leading the the AHL at that point. So he was he was an absolute monster down there. You know, there's no doubt that the Thunderbirds could could use him, but boy, they're looking good. They're looking good. And it's allowing guys um, the chance to to get some power play time here. Again, a guy like Brady Lyle. And I, I think, I mean, again, if he can be able to improve some of his stuff, he could be up here with the Blues. But, yeah, they're, they're looking good. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, let's move along here, finish this thing off. What do the Blues need to do to be successful at home? And I think it's simple. Um, I think – the first key point is withstand the early heat that the Avs are going to throw at you because you know they're going to uh, – they need Vili Uso to kind of stand on his head, which he has done early in games. Um, he's been able to do that in, in certain points. I think game four, Blue scored the first goal. They were being outshot, what, like 13-3 to three or something, and he made all those saves. So I think that was something that was big for them. Uh, they didn't win the game, but uh, the Blues themselves need to start better. Like – you can't just play the way they, that they did in the third period because they knew this could be the end of the season. They got to play an entire game like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been outplayed early in two straight games. So they got to figure that out. Um, I'm not even going to say getting the first goal is that important because they've gotten the first goal in four or five games and are down three to two. So that's interesting. In the game where they didn't get the first goal, they won. So um, that is something to look at. But I think it's kind of simple. Just, just, play their game, be more aggressive, be better in the neutral zone, get big saves, and uh, hopefully you score a couple more goals than the other team does, I guess is kind of how you break it down. Yeah, absolutely. They need to, you know, I don't think there's much more to add here to that. You know, they have to be better defensively. You're, you're going up against several just superstars here in this league. And it's, again, it's, it's a tall order here for this team. They just have to be a little bit better defensively. As I mentioned here earlier, I mean, they're allowing five goals here on game on average at this point. Huso has to be on his game here from the very beginning, and he is a big reason why it's not over at this point. It just is. They're lucky that it wasn't 5 nothing before the end of the first period in game five. And so as long as he's on his game, like you said, just stopping pucks here just from the very get-go, and they're getting support from guys like Torpchenko, who we didn't mention of players of note, but man, He's another guy who is deserving a hard look, I think, going into the next season. He was a monster in game five and deserves every ounce of credit and and an early look here into next season here at this point. So defense, I think, is the number one thing. Goaltending, I mean, it's it's just an all-out team effort. It it just has to be here in order to go and force a game seven. Yeah, we'll see. Um, In terms of Episode seven for us. I'm not sure how we're going to handle that. I mean, I guess it depends on what happens in game six. Mm-hmm. Um, ideally, we could get one done right before a potential game seven or right after a potential game seven. Either way, we'll figure that out, and you'll find out more about that on uh, on Twitter, I guess, at TBN Pods, where you can follow us. Um, that'll do it, though, for episode number six of the Blue Note Podcast on the Believe Network 
And uh, we hope to have a video version of this podcast available on YouTube at some point, if that is the case. Um, Hopefully this episode is on there. This will be at uh, TBN pod on Twitter. I will tweet the link to that. And uh, yeah, hopefully the blues can get it done in game six. We will see. Thank you for joining us. Ethan Carter, Mike Meyer. You can follow my Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. Mike, your Twitter at danger powers 19. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. Make sure to check out the blue note podcast on all the podcast platforms. And we'll see you next time for episode number seven. Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.